0: I want to invite you to turn with me, or if you have a Bible, you you turn with me, but the words will be on the screen. I'm going to read two passages this morning, first from 2 Timothy and then from the book of Proverbs, 2 Timothy 1, 5 through 7, and then the book of Proverbs, chapter 22, just one single verse. My friends, this is God's Word, and it is important for our lives, it's critical for our lives. When our lives are lived at best, they're lived according to this word. We honor it, we cherish it, and we love it because it is light and it is life. In honor of his word, will you please stand for its reading? <clears throat> first from Second Timothy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that lived first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, And now I am sure lives in you. For this reason, I remind you to rekindle the gift that God has within you, that is within you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. And then from, from the book of Proverbs, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, He will not depart from it. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, come and rest on each of us now. Speak to us as you will. Speak to us and help us be your representatives from this moment forward. But, oh God, send your Spirit now to move in our presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as I said... Today is a very, very special day. Um, uh, we do honor all the godly mothers and the, and the godly mother figures in our lives. So happy Mother's Day to all our moms. But when a man, any man, uh, stands up to talk about what it means to be a mom, I said... When a man stands up to talk about what it means to be a mom and what's involved with that, he should choose his words very, very carefully. Very carefully because, and all the ladies in the house said amen. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have no personal knowledge, none of what it is to be a mom. I've seen some great examples of it. But I don't have a personal knowledge of it. Today is also another day. Today is the day we celebrate the festival of the Christian home. I don't know if you know about that. Of course we know about Mother's Day. And of course we know about all the things surrounding Mother's Day. But today is also uh, the, the day of the festival of the Christian home. When we focus on the importance... Of the family. How many of you, you can raise your hand. How many of you in this room would agree with me the family is the core of society? Thank you. And as the family goes, so goes the society. And as the family uh, is broken down for whatever reason, so it happens in the family. So I want to talk this morning not just about our mothers and the mother figures, but I want to talk about the elements. Of a Christian home. I hear people tell me all the time, well, they have a Christian home. Theirs is a Christian home. That's what a Christian home looks like. But I want to I wonder, what is a Christian home? What does one really look like? And before before I do, before I make my comments about a Christian home, I want to offer up this caveat. It should go without being said, but I need to say it anyway. A Christian home is not a perfect home. Do you hear me? A Christian home is not a place that's free of problems or conflict or disagreement. There is no such thing. All the TV programs from years and years ago where all the families agreed and got along and all that doesn't exist anymore, does it? Not quite like we think. A Christian home is not a perfect home. A Christian home is not an idyllic home. So I just want to raise the question this morning on Mother's Day. What is a Christian home? I want to make some comments about that. The first comment I want us to hear this morning is, a Christian home is a place where one person or more is a Christian. I chose that statement very carefully. A Christian home is a place where one person or more is a Christian. Now, I know that stands to reason, but I can assure you that I had to learn that lesson the hard way. Many, many years ago, when I was a pastor of another church, and when I was much younger and much more brash and much more dogmatic and not very wise. Many, many years ago, I preached a sermon on the Christian home. And in that sermon, I said, both the mother and the father, if they're both present in the home, have to be believers. I said that. Yes, I did. The mother and the father, if they're both present in the home, have to be believers. Let's say the mother's a believer and she comes to church and she brings the children to church and they're willing to come when they're small, but as they get older, they get more resistant. Do you know what I mean? They get more resistant and they they begin to become more independent. And one of them will eventually say, well, well, dad doesn't go to church. Why should I have to go to church? Not important to dad. Dad. Why should I have to be there? But in that message, I said, both the mother and the father have to be believers. And when that service ended, a woman approached me. I had been the pastor there for about 10 months. And as she approached me, I could see tears coming down her cheeks. And her name was Jerry, J-E-R-I. Rather unusual name for a woman. But Jerry came up to me and she said, and I quote, You know that I love the Lord, Pastor. And you know that I come to church every Sunday and I bring the kids. And you know my faith is strong But I can't get Bob to come. I just can't get Bob to come. He's not interested. But pastor, you just told me in that message that everything I'm doing is in vain. You just told me that I'm doomed to fail and I'm wasting my time. I remember that like it was doggone yesterday. And I remember that woman's tears. And I remember those words. I will never forget that as long as I live. I tried, I tried to sort of defend my position a little bit. But it, 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 it was painful and it was deep. And she, she took my hand and she walked away. I kept up with that family through the years. It's been a long, long time since I was the pastor of her church. The kids grew up. They had some tough teenage years like all parents and families seem to have, some tough teenage years, but they they did fine. Jerry continued to go to church every single week, and her husband, Bob, eventually started going with her. And Bob eventually gave his heart to the Lord. I want to say to Jerry this morning, I was wrong. And you were right. Your position, Jerry, was biblical. And mine was not. In the passage I read for you, Paul says to young Timothy, you know, Timothy was sort of like his protege. He says, Timothy, you've got the faith because it was passed on to you from your mother. And she got her faith because it was passed on from her grandmother, Lois. One parent in the home. Please hear that today. One parent in the home and the faith gets transmitted. I share that with you to make two points. First of all, to all the single moms, you're doing a great job. You are doing everything you possibly can to be a good example and to to provide and to all the single moms who are having to be both mom and dad, I just want to say thank you. And I just want to encourage you. And I want to ask you to continue to be a godly example for those who look up to you. Some incredible, incredible godly single moms. The second point I want to make is to parents who can't get your spouse to get interested in the faith you are enough hear that clearly today you are enough keep doing what you're doing love Jesus instruct your children don't condemn your your spouse don't criticize your spouse don't threaten your spouse don't don't nag and and issue ultimatums no You just set an example and live a life of faith. What does it take for it to be a Christian home? It takes just one person who believes, and faith gets transmitted in the home. Secondly, in a Christian home, there are clear, fair, and immovable boundaries. Friends, God believes in boundaries. He gave us something called the Ten Commandments. He gave us the commandments to keep our lives between the ditches. I've observed that any relationship in life that has no boundaries is ultimately an unhealthy relationship. I'm going to say that again. Any relationship in life that has no boundaries attached to it Is an unhealthy relationship. Likewise, any home where there are no boundaries is an unhealthy home. You know, I get to hear the sound of children around Cokesbury a lot if you want to go to my office, you'd go out of here and you go down that long hallway. It's like a different zip code from here. I mean, it's a long, long hallway. You go down that long hallway and my office is just there on the right at the end of it and and it's there at the entrance of Bullington Hall into the Children's Center. And I hear those children every day and they're crazy and loud and wonderful and the teachers are just trying to get them to catch a bubble, I think is what she says. And so I, I hear that... Every single day. Occasionally, I'll walk outside, walking around the place here, and I'll hear those kids loud and proud and having a great time. Do you know what's bordering the playground? A fence. There's a fence a boundary between safety and danger, a boundary between laughter and joy and the possibility of incredible tragedy. Boundaries, you see, provide safety and security. I love the way Dr. Henry Cloud puts it. He says, boundaries are basically about providing structure, and structure is essential to anything that thrives. A Christian home is a place where there are clear, fair, immovable boundaries, and there are consequences when those boundaries are crossed. Because, listen, listen, consequences bring the pain that ultimately bring the change. Consequences ultimately will bring some pain that will motivate toward change. In a home where there are no boundaries... Chaos will reign, but even more deadly, in a home where there are no boundaries, you don't learn to navigate life successfully. A Christian home is a place where at least one is a, parent, is a Christian and, and where there are boundaries and where there are consequences. God believes in boundaries. God did not give us boundaries to take joy out of life. He gave us boundaries to help life have joy. And in our homes, we need boundaries. The third thing I want to mention is, a Christian home is a place where there is kindness and respect. I don't know, and I'm afraid to ask, And I sure as heck am not going to ask you to raise your hand. But how many of you have ever been used as a verbal punching bag in your home? How many of you have been on the receiving end of anger and rage out of control in your home. How many of you in this room have felt the sting of words? Words are powerful weapons, aren't they? Far too often... Those we say we love the most are the ones we are we we wound the most. Far too often the ones that we say we care about and love and make as a priority are the ones we feel free to wound. Has that happened to you? Have you ever been degraded? Have you ever been told you're not enough? You know all these kinds of words, right? Words can be weapons or words can be instruments of warmth, and we get to choose that. But how many of you have ever said something you wished immediately you could take back? I have said things that I wished as soon as it came out of my mouth, I could just grab it before it got to the ears of the person. A Christian home is a place where there is kindness and respect. Nothing makes a home more peaceful and secure like kindness and respect. On the other hand, there is nothing that makes a home more like a hell battlefield, like raised voices and putting other people down. So I'll ask the question again. Have you ever been the recipient of that kind of thing? I know siblings and sisters and brothers and all, I know they get into spats. I do know that. But I also know there has to be an adult or two present who acts like an adult and can teach the kids that that's not the way the home should be. A helpful verse of scripture for you this morning is Ephesians 4:32. Ephesians 4:32 says, "Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you." The verse just before that in the Message translation says, "Make a clean break with all cutting and backbiting and profane talk." The Christian home is a place where there is kindness and respect i did not say permissiveness i said kindness because your words impact those who hear you resist the temptation to just unload on people because well they're family We treat our families worse than we treat our coworkers sometimes. I just want to drill down on that and remind you that in the home there's an incubator. And in that incubator, life is learned. And one of the most important lessons you can learn is that in a Christian home, there needs to be kindness and there needs to be respect. One more. In a Christian home, there is unconditional love. Now, unconditional love balances out boundaries. I'm going to go down into the weeds a minute, so go with me, okay? Unconditional love balances out boundaries. There are some homes where they take the concept of boundaries to an extreme. And the rules are so strong that the rules become more important than the people. There are some homes like that. There are other families and other homes that, who take unconditional love all the way to permissiveness so that anything goes Children can do anything they want. They set the agenda for the home rather than the parent. But both things are necessary. Clear, fair, immovable boundaries and unconditional love. Now, unconditional love does not mean ignoring reality. Ignoring reality is not the thing you want to do. It doesn't just go away if you ignore it. Many, many years ago, a guy named Willis Tate was the president of Southern Methodist University. At a commencement speech, Dr. Tate told about a letter he received from a mother somewhere in Texas. In the letter, she had written, Dear Dr. Tate, my son will be an incoming freshman at SMU this fall. I know it's a Christian university, and I want him to get a Christian education, so I am asking you to make sure he gets a Christian roommate. Here's what I want, Dr. Tate. I want my son's roommate to be a boy who doesn't drink and doesn't smoke and doesn't chase girls and doesn't curse. It's very important that you do this, Dr. Tate. I know you'll honor it. Please remember, my son has never lived away, lived away from home except for the three years he spent in the Marines. <laughs> now, unconditional love doesn't ignore reality. But regardless of the reality... In the moment, it keeps on loving. It keeps on loving. Even in the reality of the moment, it keeps on loving. It doesn't ignore it. It just loves through it. A Christian home is a place where one person is a believer and the faith gets transmitted. There are people in this room who have had, I'm going to go here for a second, there are people who have had rough relationships with their mothers. But there have been godly women, grandmothers, female influences, Some there have been godly women who have come into your life and they have impacted you. faith gets transmitted down. Please hear that. A a Christian home is a place where there is kindness and respect and there are clear, fair, immovable boundaries and it's a place where there's unconditional love. But I want to stop today where I started by reminding you that a Christian home is not a perfect home. There aren't any of those. There aren't. A Christian home is constantly in the making, isn't it? There aren't any really, really good books out there about how to have a Christian home. I would recommend this one, though. It's a great one for it. And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for all of you, men and women, but I'm so grateful for all of you who are working, working, working to have a Christian home. Six days from now, my mother will have been dead a year, one year. It was and still is unbelievably painful. So, I can't say a lot. Do you understand what I mean when I say I can't say a lot about it? <clears throat> but I will tell you this I was blessed to have someone who emulated the love and the grace of Jesus Christ to me. But I was also blessed with someone who would call me on the carpet. Six days from now, that's the day. I'll never forget it. But I'm grateful for all the godly women in the room today. And I want you to know that you deserve praise and you deserve thanksgiving. Let's pray together for a moment. Almighty God, today we pause to give you thanks for those in our lives who have touched us and loved us Thank you, dear God, that you remind us that in a Christian home, it just takes one. And faith gets transmitted through that home. And dear God, thank you that that you call us to have, have boundaries in our homes, but you also call us to have unconditional love in our homes, Help us today. Help everyone here today, especially our moms and grandmothers and all our godly women. Help us reflect you with those around us. Help us always to remember our children and our grandchildren will emulate what we do not just what we say. And so I thank you for all the godly women in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of his people said,